Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I've got with me my friend Chris Vines. Hey, Dan. It's good to be back with you, my friend. Well, it is the end of 2023, and we're headed into 2024, and we're excited about that because all sorts of things um, are available to us. And um, I want to mention our Student Ministry Workers Retreat that'll be coming up in September. I know that's ways off, but uh, go ahead and mark it on your calendar. It is during September, so we want you to be sure and to join us for that event. Dr. Owen Strahan is going to be our featured speaker, and it is going to be a good time. We want to put a link to the registration in the show notes so you know a little bit more about that. Uh, but it's going to be held at a place that we've come to love and care about, and that's Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring, and it is a, a great place. If your student is looking for that next step in their education, uh, have them check out cbc.edu. My daughter just graduated. She's done with college. She had a four-and-a-half-year journey through the the halls of Central Baptist College, but she's going to walk away with two degrees. She double majored, and I'm super proud of, of what she did. She also won the greatest contribution award of the graduates. So, wow. uh, you know, pretty, pretty proud dad moment as I sat there um, and just looking forward uh, to seeing what the future holds for her. Uh, she even awesome. has a big, a big girl job. She's like, yeah. you know, an adult. <laughs> yeah. So what, what does she contribute? Well, that's a lot of words, I imagine. My daughter is a talker. So <laughs> she started she, talking in full sentences when she was 18 months old and has not stopped yet. <laughs> so just an overall, like, of, of all that, that could be contributed, she she was she got most contribution award. Is that what you said? She she contributed the most. It wasn't money, that's for sure. Cause <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, the greatest contribution award goes to somebody who has invested in the school. Uh, yeah. My daughter was a part of the Central Singers. Uh, she was also on the the Tower staff. She was the online editor and then the social media editor. Yeah. Um, then just she brought a lot to the music program. I even, as I went to the Christmas program, I'm looking and all of a sudden I realize my daughter is in the band. When did that happen? Um, she just, <laughs> the band director came and said, I heard you play the flute. And, and she did. She does. And so I just, I got a chance to hear her play the flute. I got a chance to hear them sing at that Christmas concert. And just, it was so exciting to see how much, not just her classmates loved her, but her parents, are not the parents rather, but the professors, they yeah. just cared about her. So I, I could sit here. We could do a 30 minutes on Cat Carson, uh, but we're not going to. We're going to talk about something. Hey, that, <laughs> it's all good, man. It's good to be a proud dad. I know we're getting into it, but I just, you know, I love hearing you brag on your daughter. She and Look, she is very well-deserving because, 
if anybody knows her, uh, and I, I'm privileged to say that I do, that, uh, you know, she's got an infectious smile, just a great personality, and not surprised at all that she received that uh, that award. So uh, very proud of her, as I know you are. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's easy to be proud um, as, you know, and there are those moments. My daughter was definitely a teenager. Um, she didn't just automatically go to college. That's for sure. Uh, we had lots of moments, but again, so, so proud of her. So, well, CBC is that place. And so again, what it all pours out of that. And so have your students check out CBC, uh, because they care about your students. They really do. And not just looking for students who can pour in to them, but they want to be pouring into our students. I think of Jim Turner, the choir director, uh, just loved and cared to my daughter like his own. I think about uh, Mrs. G. Uh, that's what they call her. Um, <laughs> she's the the director of the journalism department. I think of Miss Codwell. Just just a number of uh, professors and teachers there that just really cared about her. And so, again, we could talk about that a while, but that's not what we're looking at today. Today, we want to talk about a subject that is relevant to college. It is this idea of being a reader and planning to read in this upcoming year, in in your ministry as a whole. Uh, unfortunately, as student ministry workers, we, we get a bad rep. Um, we really do. I mean, people look at us and go, well, they're just doing stuff. They just take the kids, they play games, they they have fun, they eat pizza. Um, you know, the, the guys that, well, haven't learned their lesson yet are still doing lock-ins. I mean, there's this wide <laughs> range of things that they do, and I've been a part of that um, for the last, well, uh, I've been in ministry a while now. And so as I look back at that time, I know that there have been moments where I haven't been a reader. Uh, but as you're ending one year, thinking about the new one, reading should come up. You may have some different challenges that have been thrown your way and say, hey, you should do this. Uh, but we believe that reading is an important thing for us uh, to look at as ministers of the gospel, as student ministry workers. We can't just be about the doing we need to be about some of this growing. So, Chris, let's start with this big question of, of why should we be readers as student ministry workers? Yeah, that's a good question. Why why should we read? Um, you know, this is like you're, you're hinting at, Dan. I mean, it, it hits uh, a, a couple of different categories, at least it does in my brain. You know, one, uh, if I answer that question honestly, why should I read? There's a, a personal development that takes place in reading, right? Just me as a, as a holistic person. So, you know, that hits uh, some critical thinking, uh, you know, growth. It hits me just being able to focus on one thing. It, it hits some discipline, you know, nerves, if you will. Uh, but then there's the other big category of like what you're talking about, just professional development, right? So yeah. I mean, we're not just, we're not just growing personally, but we also should be growing professionally. And I, I don't mean to imply that, you know, we as uh, as pastors and ministers are professional in the formal sense, but you, I hope everybody understands what I mean by that. It's not a loaded word, but but we need to grow in in what in our calling, right, and in our in our knowledge there. So, you know, why should we read? Uh, when I think about that question, first and foremost, I do think personally. You know, I think about the kind of person that I am if I don't read, right, mm. um, and, and and so 
if I answer that question just honestly, one of the reasons why we should read is to fight against laziness in our own life. We live in a world of easy, convenient comforts. And in a, in, in, in a world that is growing more and more in that direction where you've got videos that are becoming shorter and shorter with TikTok and reels and all different sorts of things, um, our attention spans are getting smaller and smaller. And I think just a, a natural a natural result of all that is we, we really tend to be become lazy people. Uh, to the point where we only go after what is easy. Uh, we only go after what is convenient or fast. There's a reason why there, there's a series of books called the Cliff Notes. Um, there, there's, <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason why there's a growing subscriptions, uh, a growing number of subscriptions that have to do with summarizing books for people, and it's because people don't want to take the time to actually read the the books themselves. Uh, so. I would say one of the one of the the biggest reasons why we need to read personally is to fight against laziness in our own life. That is so good. I, I think about what some things that I heard growing up was that you you saw television shows that were normally about an hour long. Mm-hmm. Then along comes the sitcom, and the sitcom was thirty minutes. And so the the idea slowly became that you can't keep somebody's attention over 30 minutes. And now you look at TikToks and Reels and, all right, now you can't keep somebody's attention over two minutes, 30 seconds, 15 seconds. (laughs) And that's kind of where we're at right now. We want it all. We want it fast. Uh, But when you're working your way through a book, there is some... Well, I just said it. There's some work that's involved in that, mm-hmm. and it's a process. And so that's a great one. Uh, you know, there is a, a big list. I found it at youngreadersfoundation.org. Just some basic things. And we encourage you know our students as children and as teenagers to be readers. Um, it's my understanding that uh, your oldest is just a voracious reader. Yeah, my, my oldest he likes to read, um, and and uh, I'm thankful for that. And so it's it's right now our our uh, growing curve is trying to put the right books in his in his yeah. hands, and <laughs> and he's at the age too where not just any book is uh, will do. Um, right. He 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 has his certain niche that he likes, you know. But uh, a lot of times that can be, you know, just kind of like the sugar candy, um, and so trying to put the right books in his hand. And that, that challenges me as well, because my list of books that I want to read are, are starting to include the books that I want him to read. So yeah. I want to be reading the same things that he's reading. So I've got to be mindful of that as well. And But yeah, uh, he does. He loves to read. I'm thankful for that. Well, occasionally on social media, I've seen your wife, wife post about about his reading, how he always has a book in hand. And my kids were like that too. Now, my daughter... It took a little bit longer for her to get going, but my son was always obsessed with a book. And if it had anything to do with Harry Potter, dragons, well, pretty much those two things, you know. (laughs) So again, the challenge of putting the right things in front of them. But what we find is that just the simple act of reading for a child or for an adult does some things. And I have a quick list that I want to share um, from their website because it it's things that we don't think about or we just put in the category of this is for a child. 
Yeah. But the truth is, it does these things in our lives as well. Number one, reading improves vocabulary. We learn new words along the way, or we have to figure them out. Uh, number two, better comprehension of concepts and of things as our pastor or lead pastor is teaching from the pulpit and we're hit with something he says, if we're reading, we'll be able to comprehend that a little bit better. Number three, develops critical thinking skills. And I think you you mentioned that as well, Chris. Uh, it improves our memory. Um, and I know as I get older, I need all the help I can get. So we're going to be reading more. So that'll help. Number five, improves results at school. Now, most of us are done with school, but some of us aren't. And so um, we want to keep reading. Number six, improves analytical skills. Number seven, builds confidence. Number eight, helps you socialize. It gives you something to talk about. Uh, number nine, it broadens horizons. Number 10, improves your writing skills. If you're a reader, your writing will hopefully be better. And as ministers, as student ministry workers, we need to be able to write, to communicate well. Uh, number 11, improves focus and concentration. Number 12, makes you more empathetic. Uh, number 13, it develops emotions. Number 14, and here's a phrase that we use a lot, readers are leaders. And man, that is important if we want to make a difference in the lives of our students and our families and just our, our, our congregation as a whole. Uh, we need to be reading so that we are understanding new things. And then number 15, you learn at your own pace. Uh, you don't have to power through a book in most cases. Times we're challenged to do that because we are looking at a book together for a group. But I know that with my students right now, we're reading through 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity, uh, written by Rebecca McLaughlin. But we are taking it one chapter a week. And a student can handle one chapter a week. They read a lot of other things. It makes them think. Um, it also gives me a good reason to say, hey, have you read this? It, another connection point, all those things. But we should take time to read. Uh, there's a lot of personal benefit. And there's a lot of, as uh, Chris talked about, professional development. We are one of the few, I don't want to say industries because that's not that's not a great way to put it, professions. It still sounds very clinical, uh, but we aren't required to do continuing education. If you're a teacher, if you're a counselor, if you're a doctor, I mean, the list goes on of people who have to do that or they lose their license there's nobody holding that over us in most cases. Um, so we have to take that challenge on ourselves. And so personally, professionally, there are a lot of reasons that we should be reading. But let's answer another question. Why do we not read? What pulls us away from that sort of thing? What do you think, Chris? <laughs> That's a big question, right? Why why do we not read? And you know, and I, I want to one go ahead and point out the assumption that's in that question is that and it's not a good assumption, you know, because there, we don't want to imply to the people who are listening to us or who will listen to us that that you don't read. You know, we know that there are some people out there that you know you're you're killing it in this area. So you're listening to this, and maybe you're just wanting to pick up some uh, helpful tips or maybe some book recommendations. And we're going to get to those at the end of the episode for sure. But uh, we just know that, generally speaking, we live in a world that um, people are not valuing reading uh, yeah. the way that we really believe that they should and that people should. So that's where we get that question, you know, why do we not read? 
and I, you know, I've, I've got a, uh, just some quick ones that I think are just the, the answer to that. Like if I were to ask somebody or if someone were to ask me, what are the easy answers that we give? I think one of the big ones that people want to just immediately go to is, you know, I don't have time. Yeah. Uh, I don't have time to read, you know? Um, and listen, we don't have to spend a long time on that, but we can see right through that. I mean, surely if you're listening to this and as we're just talking about it openly, we have time, like really, we ha- we have time for the things that we value and that goes across a lot of stuff. So that's really just kind of a bogus excuse to say that I don't yeah. have time um, yeah. because we, we make time for all sorts of other things and it's the things that we want to have in our life, um, the things that we enjoy, the things that we want to watch or whatever else we have time. Uh, what we really mean by that is I'm not willing to sacrifice the things that I'm already doing in order to do this. Right. So the, if that's, if that's one of your first excuses and that's what it is, is an excuse to, that I don't have time, I would, I would challenge that and say, well, where are you spending your time and where are you spending your time uh, in just meaningless ways? Where are you spending your time in really more passive consumption uh, than uh, and and then begin to think kind of backwards? Like, do I really need to do that? What what should I take out of my life in order to really put this in there? So, in other words, if you want to value reading, if you want to read more, you you've got to insert it into your into your life, just like, just like going to the gym or anything else. Um, you, you, you have to insert it in there and you have to sacrifice other things or wake up earlier or go to bed later in order to make those things happen. So that's one thing I think people say when uh, asked that question, here's another one. This is one that was just on my brain and this is for youth pastors. This is for people in ministry. So maybe you're not just a youth pastor. Maybe you, you are a pastor, but I think sometimes we don't see reading as uh, quote unquote work. So for instance, um, I think this is something that's affected me and I, I may be alone in this, but I'd like to think that I'm not that whenever I'm sitting at my desk in the church and I've got a blank desk in front of me, but I have an open book and I'm just sitting there and I'm reading. I think it's, I, I have felt the pressure sometimes of either people walking past my, my open door and seeing me. Cause I, again, I work in a, in a school and there's all all things going on, you know, and there's this almost like this underlying fear of man that kind of happens within Mm. me of people looking in and saying, man, Chris isn't doing anything. All he's doing there is just sitting there, just sitting there reading a book. And I, and I, and I, and I just say that because that's a real feeling that I've experienced, you know, and I've grown up, I've grown up in the South and I grew up working on a farm and I did all these kind of things. And so physical labor um, is, is just built and ingrained within me. And so when I think about work, Oftentimes my brain goes straight to doing something with my hands, you know, doing something right. with my feet. Right. Um, if I'm not sweating, then I'm not working. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's just not true. And so I think one of the, the uh, dangers that we have in ministry is to think, well, I can only read uh, whenever I'm sitting in a Starbucks or at my house. And, and we, limit, we limit ourselves because we don't define our reading as work. Um, but but we know how bogus that is because listen if we're called to preach we're called to learn we're called to uh, divide the word of God uh, in a straight way and so that means first and foremost we should have open Bibles on our desk uh, and then I think second to that we should have good books that are going to inform our Bible reading and our theology and 
how we do ministry. So I think those are a couple of quick, um, I didn't make them so quick, but quick answers <laughs> that people give of why, why we don't read. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Well, I think that, um, I think you're right. I think that's, that's a big part of it for those of us who, who maybe enjoy reading, um, who, who love written word, uh, but we think, well, I just don't have time. But I, as you sat there and, and talked about it, I thought, oh, no, he's stepping on toes. Because <laughs> I, I think about, okay, well, how many episodes of Frasier did I binge watch last night? I mean, really? And, you know, Dan, listen, when, be, be, wait, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you. People on our podcast who listen, they don't know what Frasier is, okay? Oh, okay, okay. So, all right. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. but you're probably right. <laughs> all right, let's see. <laughs> uh, let's go back and the office. Okay, I've done that. Is that helpful? <laughs> That's helpful. That's helpful. <laughs> okay, or friends, you know, whatever you're binging at your house. Uh, but the the truth is, we'll sit there and we'll go through four four episodes and think, oh, it's it's under two hours. It's like a movie, you know. Well. <laughs> yeah. You sat there and you you could have easily have read for 15 minutes, and we'll talk more about how to do it in just a little bit, but all of a sudden you've you've wasted time. And yeah. so I mean, yeah. Uh, we say we don't have time, but what are we investing our time in? Yeah. I don't like hearing that, but it's the truth. Um, I have yeah. a friend who we've talked a little bit, and he said, you know, just just put it on your schedule that for you're gonna read for this amount of time. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and there are other reasons. There are some people that struggle. Maybe they do have learning disabilities mm -hmm. uh, where it is work to them, uh, but we still don't feel like it's work. I mean, I, I sit in my office. No, hardly anybody comes into my office. But when I pull out a book to read about even a, a ministry subject, I'm like, I feel like I'm not really working. Um, yeah. And a lot of it is growing up, hardworking spending time knowing that much of our ministry is doing. And mm -hmm. so some of this stuff is just within us. You know, it's just we're dealing with those type of things. Uh, but you've got to realize if you want to be a leader, you need to be a reader. As cheesy as that sounds, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And so we need to stay up to date on ministry things. We need to read about, about the Word. We need to be reading the Word. Uh, we need to to be that person that's a resource mm -hmm. to our people. I mean, we're here to equip the, the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. Well, we need to be figuring out how to do that. And that mm -hmm. re requires us to be doing some reading. So I think yeah. you had a great quote from John Piper uh, that we wanted to share today, kind of talking about that whole issue of time and what that might look like. Yeah, share that with us, Chris. Yeah, well, it's not a quote; it's an article, um, and and we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but it's it's one that I, in fact, this is an article that I I uh, I have saved somewhere. I had to find it before the podcast started today, uh, but it's one that I actually read. I find myself reading probably at least once a year. But it's uh, called Twenty Five Christian Books I Love to Recommend. Now, this is an article written by uh, Pastor John Piper back in twenty eighteen. It looks like, uh, but. While there's helpful books and, and it just kind of gets your wheels turning on on what you might can put on your book list, one thing that's really uh, interesting, and I think this is the quote that you're talking about, is early on in the article, he gives this little paragraph, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, so understand, these are not my words. These are his words, but I think it's really helpful uh, thoughts. He says this, suppose you read about 250 words a minute and that you resolve to devote 
just 15 minutes a day to serious reading to deepen your grasp of biblical truth. In one year, which is 365 days, you would read for 5,475 minutes. Now multiply that times 250 words per minute and you get about 1.3 million words per year. Now most books have between three and 400 words per page. So if we were to take 350 words per page and to divide that into 1.3 million words per year, we get 3,910 pages per year. That means that at 250 words a minute, 15 minutes a day, you could read about 20 average-sized books a year, right? And so, in other words, if, if, if you didn't catch all that, there's great value in just setting aside 15 minutes a day for reading, right? So, in other words, if you say, well, I just can't finish a book. No, you can. You can. Uh, maybe you don't, but you can. <laughs> and, and so, you can finish a book very quickly, right? With just 15 minutes a day, you'd be surprised with how quickly you can move through an average size book in just 15 minutes a day. Hey, and if you're, if you're still like thinking, man, 15 minutes of just solid reading, that's just too much. Try 10, <laughs> try 10 minutes a day, right? Start, start somewhere. Um, and, and then just, and then go from there. So I really like the way, I mean, that helps me. I'm one of those guys that likes to think in those terms. Uh, so, Uh, It it just helps me to know, like, you know what, if I just dedicate myself, if I discipline myself to 15 minutes a day, right, minimal, when we're talking minimal, then this is what the end result could be uh, in a a year, right? So I heard, uh, I think I was listening to a a, a sermon by Alistair Begg a couple weeks ago, and he he just mentioned um, the, the idea, the thought that I think has been mentioned in several other contexts as well, that most of the time people um, overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what can happen in five years. Mm. Uh, and, and that kind of thought just helps me just kind of, uh, I don't know if this even makes sense, but kind of settle into my own humanity a little bit. Like that's true. Um, like I, I oftentimes overestimate what I can do in a short amount of time, but I underestimate what can happen over a long period of time, whether right, that be a year right. or five years. So, you know, here we are at the end of the year. Um, and I still like to think, you know what, I can finish 15 books between now and, <laughs> and, and the beginning of next year. Well, no, I can't. Okay. Sorry. I'm not that kind of reader. I like to read, but I'm not that kind of reader. Um, but you know what, in 2024, there's no reason why I can't finish more than 15 books a year, you know? Right. Um, and so, but it starts with these kind of thoughts, of 10, 15 minutes a day. Reading is important. If you still are on the fence or you think that you can't do it, just start with five, 10 minutes, pick up a book and try to get through that book slowly, methodically, a little bit at a time. And as you broaden that, you're going to have the opportunity to go through a lot of books. I mean, if you could get through 20 books, let's cut that in half. If, if some of you and some of us, uh, I include myself in that because I get pushed to finish books because we uh, have a program in our church where we do that. But if you are struggling, just re- think about getting through 10 books in a year. I mean, that, that's, that'd be incredible. Uh, what you could learn, what you could be exposed to, um, just all sorts of, of good things. Now, uh, we talked about the why, and we need to look at that and keep that in mind. But 
What about the how? How do we handle reading? Should we organize it? How many books I think are realistic for for one of us or, you know, I don't think that, I think that number changes from person to person and where they're at on their own journey. But um, what, what about that? How should we organize or should we even organize our reading, Chris? My answer to that is yes, I think we should. I think organizing our reading um, is, is very helpful. Uh, You said it earlier to me, Dan, so I'll give you credit for it, but it's, it's a true statement. You know, a, a failure to plan is a plan to fail. And, mm, yeah. and so if we move forward <clears throat> without any kind of plan in our reading, what ends up happening is the same old, same old, uh, we don't read or we, we don't, we don't read like we really want to. So I think setting a goal and, and having a plan for how we're going to reach that goal with even, I mean, the titles of books that we want to read, uh, I think that, that helps, that helps us. In other words, it gives us a target to aim for. And, uh, and, and, and we're going, and we're going for it. So, you know, I know you have a, you showed me, and I'm gonna let you unveil it here in a minute, just, you know, a really helpful resource uh, on how to think about reading. But I would just say the reason why I organize my reading is because if I don't, then I tend to only read one type of book. If I only read one type of book then I'm only getting, you know, one type of kind of knowledge and information in my, in my brain. And, and I want to, I want to grow in a, in a, in a much wider sense. And so there's, there's some classics that I need to read. Um, there are some, there are some, uh, some current books that I probably should read in order to keep up with just certain things. Uh, but then there's also just like some novels that, that I should read in order just to hit that creative nerve within my, within my brain. And, um, and so that's it. But if I, but if I don't make a plan that I, I usually am just very one dimensional in my reading, I, I tend to only go after one type of book. And so I need some type of help and plan for that. But then you said it a minute ago and I, I'll go and I'll just kind of finish this thought here is that, you know, everybody's different when it comes to how many books we should read. So, you know, I would encourage you this way, be realistic for yourself, but take a risk. So be realistic but also be risky. So I was talking to one of our church members. Uh, I, I took, I, I had lunch with her and her husband and their young kid the other day. And we were talking about reading. She, she loves to read. Uh, she was a, a English lit major. And, and so I was like, so what are you reading? And uh, she said, well, I've read a lot this year. And I was like, yeah, how much? She's like, well, I've, I've read over 200 books this year. And I'm like, oh, that's, wow. that's amazing. <laughs> Right. That's what I, th- I was like. I kind of kind of choked on my <laughs> choked on my chow mein whenever she said that. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, obviously, she's reading faster than I do. I, I have no shame in saying that she is. She's reading a lot faster than I do. Is it possible for me to read 200 books in a year? I don't really know. I'll be honest. Have I done it? Do I do that? No. I'm, so I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I do. That. But that so in other words, that is not realistic for me. And it's not realistic for a lot of people. Right, right. Right. So, so in other words, don't start this new year thinking, you know what, I'm, man, I'm reading 200 books this year. Now, if that's your, if that's your reality, go for it, right? Push yourself. But for, for most people who are reading on average, 250 to 300 words a minute. Um, and again, I'm not saying you can't, right. But I'm just saying that's not really realistic and it's not. And it's, so it's outside the realm of, uh, of that. So find what's realistic for you, but then be risky. So in other words, don't just say, okay, I'm going to read one book this year. That's not enough risk, 
right? I mean, sure, you might meet your goal, but have you really have you really done anything, right? <laughs> so, you know, you might say I was I was kind of start back with this last year. I was like, all right, how many books did you read in 2023, right? Just without a plan, how many books did you read? And uh, and then from there, set yourself a good goal for this next year. So it might be 10 books, you know, that's less than one book per month uh, in this upcoming year. And so you may say, you know what, I'm going to read 10 solid books this year across many different categories. And, and for you, that's realistic, but there's also some risk involved because you know, you know, you, and you know, your schedule. I could go on about that. I like goal setting, but that's what I would say. Be realistic, but take a risk. And I think that's great advice. As we look at um, at reading, there are several ways that we can approach it. You know, you think about where are you going to do your reading? What What's that going to look like? Uh, you may need to read at home. Um, you may need to read in your office at the church or wherever you're at. Um, I know that we have bivocational and volunteer student ministry workers. The expectation isn't just for those in vocational ministry. Uh, we believe that everybody should be reading in this process. So maybe if you're a volunteer and the youth pastor at the church is handing out a book and said, hey, let's read this together. You know, that's that's part of the, the deal is that we need to find some people that we can read with. Um, the ABS director here, the Association of Baptist Students at the University of Arkansas has been talking to me about reading through a book together. You know, and I, I need to take him up on that because... There's extra accountability in that. If you could read with your spouse and just simply to challenge one another, or another staff member or a ministry friend or somebody who you work with, say, hey, I've heard this is good. Let's read it together. Uh, book clubs are, are valuable because you're helping one another get through a book and you're talking about the concept. So you're not only just making it through, uh, but you're spending some time with what you're learning in that process. And so let me just encourage you. Be a reader. It's going to help in a lot of ways. I know that some of us are that struggle. And so if you're one of those that struggle, uh, start with audiobooks. Uh, that's not the best solution because when we read, we spend time with those words. We take moments and we just we we can get through something um, when we listen to it. But man, if we will actually read it from the page, then we can go back and look at it again. Sometimes I'll have to read a sentence two or three times. I remember reading The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, Tozer and just having to go back repeatedly to read sentences and go, oh my gosh, that's heavy. And so um, I guess we what we want to do to finish up today is to talk about what we should read and maybe what that should look like. Because you're going to find a lot of book challenges at the end of the year and the beginning of a new one. And, and people will say, hey, you should read this, or uh, here's a list that you should definitely get through. Um, but I just recently ran across something from Tim Challies. And if you haven't listened or connected with Tim Challies on, on, online, he is a blogger who also shares, well, one, he shares Kindle deals all the time about theology books and ministry books and even sometimes other books. But he's partnered up with Visual Theology, and he has released this reading challenge um, list. And it's just fantastic because there's a light category, an avid category, committed, and then the obsessed. And I think about that person who shared with you, Chris. This list for the obsessed says 104. 
but you said she read over 200 books. I'm just the amount of time. Very impressive, but holy cow. Yeah. Um, I should know, I should know like one she loves to read. She's obviously a fast reader and two she's a stay-at-home mom. So like she's that, she's yeah. so I'm not discounting stay-at-home moms. Like she's got a full-time job keeping up with their their young their young son, but she's not just sitting sitting down in her free time watching TV either. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, to give you an idea of what this list looks like, uh, the 13 for the light reader, you know, and I think that's a, if you haven't ever done a reading challenge, that may be where you want to start. That's a little more than one book a month. That might be, uh, that might be the risky part, you know, uh, but it includes not just a list of books like you might think, because it's from visual theology, it uh, types of books. So the first list includes a book about a current issue a biography, a classic novel, a book about history, a book targeted at your gender, um, a book about theology, a book with at least 400 pages, a book your pastor recommends, a book about Christian living, a book more than 100 years old. Uh, that one's hard because, man, they can sometimes that can be hard to read. Uh, a book published in 2024, and so finding something new, uh, a book for children or teens, and then a book of your choice. And so that's the light. And they just add different things uh, down here in the obsessed category, a book by a Puritan. That's that's heavy reading, let me tell you. But a couple above that, it says a book of comics. And so it's got a wide range of, of options. And there are other choices out there, ways that you can get involved. But we're going to have a link to this. You sign up for their uh, newsletter, and then you can download this reading challenge, if that's something that interests you. Uh, but I'd encourage you to, to check out that. And if it's not that, find something else. Find a group of friends uh, that say, hey, we want to read some books. And whether you discuss them or not, um, you should look at that. But we want to wrap up um, with just maybe a book or two to get you started. Because you're like, okay, I don't know what to read. I don't even have a clue. Where can I find it? And we haven't even gotten into the whole digital versus print books. Um, and that's another discussion and topic. I'm a big digital challenge that, that we mentioned. He's a very big uh, digital book guy. Um, so, Chris, where do you fall in that category without getting into it? Too oh, man. You know, it's <laughs> no, it didn't. It's I, I I go back and forth. It really depends on the kind of book. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would say it's this, I have the same. Uh, criteria when it comes to audible books versus, you know, me actually reading a book. Um, I joke with my pastor, you know, um, but we're on the, we're on the same page when it comes down to it, you know, audible, uh, audio books. I think they're helpful. I think they're great, but it's not the same thing as reading a book. Um, and right, right. that again, we're not going to get into all that, but I would just say that when it comes to audio books, where I tend to, where I tend to listen to books is, uh, with biographies and with, um, you know, any type of probably what I would categorize as new, newer leadership books, you know, oh, things yeah. like that, yeah. you know, but apart from that, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of, uh, other kind of category. In other words, I don't listen to deep theology books. I read those, um, and, and other things as well. And there's reasons for that, but yeah, digital and print, uh, I I'm still, if I had to, if I had to say, if I had to come down hard on one side, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a print, I'm a print guy. Um, 
I like, I like holding it in my hand. I like turning the pages. Uh, I like, yeah. I like remembering left or right. Um, on, on, you know, when I'm looking for something after the fact. And I mean, honestly, when it comes down to, you know, my home life as well, I want my, I want my kids to, to see a bookshelf. I want them to Mm. see, I want them to see a wall of books, you know, and I want them to have access to, uh, you know, books as well at our home. And I just find that if, if all I'm doing is buying digital books, um, that's not there. So, that's and I, I would just encourage any young any young parents out there to to think about that whenever it comes to how you shape your home. Mm, that's good. That is well, Chris. Let's let's give them a couple of things to read, and then okay. we're going to wrap up today. So, what what do you have on your list of just a short list book or two that you would yeah. say, "Hey, student ministry worker, read this." Okay, uh, I'm going to give you two. All right, one. Okay is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it is uh, a biography on Charles Spurgeon by Arnold Dalimore. All right. This is kind of a staple uh, biography of Spurgeon. And so there's a lot of talk in, in uh, our uh, world of ministry. Uh, we hear a lot about Spurgeon. <clears throat> Spurgeon gets quoted a lot. Um, and but But I'm finding that a lot of people haven't read much on the life of Spurgeon. So that would be one that I think you would enjoy. I think it's a, it's an easy read. That's by Arnold Dallimore. The second one that I would recommend is uh, a newer one, uh, but by an author that I really enjoy right now. Uh, and that is called the tech wise family by Andy Crouch. Mm. Those are both great books and they cover a wide range of things. So I want to give you two, um, both ministry related simply because that's kind of where my brain went when I started thinking about this. But one, fulfill your student ministry. Um, Sam Burig is the editor of that. It's written by several different men that he knows, trusts, and it's just a great book about student ministry. It's not that long, so it makes for a good read. It's well organized. And so I'd encourage you pick up a copy of that. The other one is a little bit older. Uh, you may have to search for it. It's Teaching to Change Lives by Howard Hendricks. Um, I just, if I if I can recommend a book, that's that's one of them that I do. There's a bigger list, and we'll talk more about books and what to read. Uh, but we thought we wanted to give you something. So there are four choices that you could start with. If you don't have any place at all to start, start there um, as you take on this challenge of this idea of planning to read. We want to keep reading. We want to do that because it's important. And we know that readers are leaders. Uh, there's a great value in podcasts, but it's even better if you can sit down with a book and take some time with it. It'll help you. It'll help your ministry um, and do some great things. So, Chris, any final words? Read, 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 make a plan and then read. Okay. Those are words. And I have similar, just read, read, read. <laughs> well, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to read and we're going to study and we're going to do all those things we need to because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.